morning, everybody, and this is a prize uh, webcast. This is our first episode of the Code Enforcement Network. This is a national code enforcement network uh, with myself and Cecilia Sevilla. Cecilia Sevilla is on a quick appointment, but she will be joining us pretty soon. And today's guest is we have Mr. Alvaro Nunez coming in from the city of Santa Ana. Thank you for joining, Alvaro. How you doing? Thank you, Pete. Thank you for inviting me. Doing great. Awesome. And both Alvaro and I are members of the um, the Code Enforcement Chapter of Orange County, uh, the Code Enforcement Chapter, which is an ICC chapter dedicated for the advancement of code enforcement through the ICC Chapter Network. Uh, we're, we're very happy. We're streaming this on the CSOC um, web, web stream. Uh, we're also on Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live. And if some of you guys have a... Uh, policy for uh, social media. We are also on our website, codeenforcementexperts.com. You're able to watch the stream there. And today, the uh, reason we're here is we're going to bring you a little bit of information about some of our peers. Um, today, we have Alvaro Nunez, who is coming in from one of the uh, uh, 10th largest cities in California. He is coming from the 57th most populous city in uh, America with uh, about 350,000 residents and estimated at close to half a million residents. Uh, he oversees the code enforcement division and just a little bit about the city of Santa, Santa Ana. They're the fourth most dense uh, city in America and they are also four-fifth Latino. So they have a lot of work to do in Santa Ana. Um, growing up, I always... Um, you know, when I first got into code enforcement, I, he was one of the people that I, I really admired because he runs such a big group and such a tight knit group and they do everything. This is a one stop shop type of operation in the city of Santa Ana. And with that, we're going to turn it over to Alvaro. Alvaro, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are? Uh, and, the, and then we'll go from there. Again, uh, I'm the uh, Code Enforcement Manager here with the City of Santa Ana. Uh, we are under the uh, Planning and Building uh, Agency. I answer directly to the Executive Director, who then answers directly to the City Manager. Uh, like you said, we offer a full-service Code Enforcement uh, program here. We deal from uh, in the residential component from single-family uh, dwellings to multi-units from the... Um, uh, quality of life concerns regarding, you know, outside storage, uh, yeah, in upper vehicles, landscape type of maintenance, all the way to, you know, substandard uh, conditions, egregious hazardous aspects, all the way into issuing, you know, notice notice. Same thing with the uh, business community. We deal from commercial to industrial, right? From the benign uh, violations, you know, to the more egregious aspects. In fact, here in the city, you know, we recently, probably in the last three, four, maybe five years, for those that know, don't know, California is one of those cities, uh, one of those states that allow uh, illegal cannabis. Our city is one of, in the forefront here in Orange County, if not the state, uh, regarding the cannabis industry. So court enforcement is actually one of the ones that are mandated to address some of the illegal you know, grows and cannabis operations, not just storefronts, but I'm talking about cultivation and those type of items that require a little bit more action and interaction with the police department and our city attorney's office. At the same time, we're the main regulatory component uh, for those that are wishing to legalize. So we, we do it all, like you said. We're one of the ones that actually uh, have a very, very comprehensive program with uh, all the tools available to code enforcement from the initial letter warning notice to a notice of violation, notice an order, all the way to inspection warrants. And, you know, um, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 12, maybe a little bit longer, we adopted the IPMC. So we're one of the few in Orange County, maybe even including LA, Orange County metro area, that actually disconnect utilities for dangerous conditions under the court official uh, auspices. And again, why? Because we adopted the IPMC, which is some municipal code that allows that authority. We don't do it all the time, but what we do is because we're confident we're doing it for the right reasons. So um, that's the key for us. 
Awesome. And then we are having people uh, chat in. It's great to see everybody in the chat. We have Mr. Ulysses and we have Kevin uh, logging in. So um, one of the reasons that we, we have this show is because we we don't always get to talk to some of the top leaders in our industry. And and it's always good to kind of see what their story was, how they ended up in code enforcement, what they're doing, and, you know, and, and kind of give, give us a guiding tool as to how we ourselves can elevate ourselves. So if, if one of the things that, that I personally took when, when I was in a neighboring city with uh, Mr. Nunez was Mr. Nunez has a hierarchy of code enforcement officers. And what that means is for in my city, I had volunteers. I, do you guys have a volunteer program, Alvaro? Uh, we had at one point, we kind of discontinued for, for momentary component only because we we literally got too busy. Right. Yeah. The key. And, 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 you know, volunteers, we it's more about training and they assist us. But in the end, they become de facto staff in many ways. So you still have to provide them with guidance and you have to ensure that they're doing things in an appropriate manner. But uh, just to start, you know, I started as an intern. Uh, I was going to... Uh, uh, UC Irvine here in Orange County and I got an internship with the city of Santa Ana thinking that I'm going to be just a temporary aspect and they move on. Uh, I was assigned to do administrative analysis regarding uh, citations back in the day where we were one of the first cities in the state to actually implement the administrative citation practice before you would do the notice of violations or warning notices and then up to a criminal complaint or a notice to appear. Uh, we're one of the first cities that kind of incorporated that here in Orange County, the citation factor and what that means, taking it away from that criminal element involving taking it away from the courts. But that's how I started. And so uh, I was a political science major in government at UC Irvine. When I started working here in the city and I saw this as a, as a niche and I liked it, I went back to, uh, to college and got the uh, building code introduction to the building code, wooden steel construction, fire life safety, all those things that make uh, a person a good building inspector. Uh, so many cities, many jurisdictions do very little. We have a clear distinction between court enforcement activities or duties and building uh, construction. In Santa Ana, we merge a little bit of that. We still have a building safety. They're the ones who do our quality control inspections, if you will, our follow-up uh, inspections. But when it comes to addressing substandard conditions or work done without permits, our folks are expected to uh, be able to identify and understand what they're doing. So I, for example, we send our folks to the traditional court enforcement, you know, public right-of-way type of uh, instruction. They're required to have the powers of arrest with the, uh, uh, with the Sheriff's Academy or... Um, and at the same time, they're required to have a level of training that, that gives them the understanding of what court enforcement is, the do's and don'ts, if you will. And at the same time, in addition to the police powers, right, and the zoning perspectives, we also introduce a building uh, safety component. So our folks are supposed to be well-rounded, well-versed. Uh, one inspector, one court enforcement officer, they handle everything. That's the key. And the fact that for, for those in court enforcement, they understand that we're the ones that actually know that we document appropriately, right? We, we take the appropriate photographs. For us in point, uh, it's, it's not uncommon for us to testify. I'm a manager, but, uh, and we'll, we can talk about that in a later show, but uh, during the recession at one point, at the highest point, we had like 38, 40 people. When the recession hit in 09, 10, we went down to literally eight or nine. So some of us had to adapt. And so we still have that player coach mentality. I mean, I'm scheduled to testify in, a, in an enforcement action in, in September. And I testified last October, I think 2020, in another action. And for a manager in a city our size, that's rare. But we still have that perspective. We have that player coach mentality where everybody's involved. That just tells you the way where we work here in Santa Ana. We, we like to say we're the best with less. Right, <laughs> and, and I say like that, basically less, not in an understanding that all cities, not just Santa Ana, many cities have uh, resource concerns, but it's how we approach it. And when I say the best with less, is that our intention is exactly that, to do our job the most effective, efficient manner, right? Me as a manager, I hate the do-overs, 
right? When you have to do, when you see a file that's too thick, right, you expect to see redundancy. When you do a do-over, you're not being efficient. And so that means, when I say the best with less, that means we do it right the first time and do it correctly. So we don't have to have redundancy. So we don't have to do the do-overs. And when you have resources, that's even more of an issue of not to make those type of mistakes, right? And again, this is the whole player coach mentality. It's not that we don't know how to budget, you know, do we, you know, as managers and, and directors know, we, we have to administer the budget. We have to plan for the future. We have to coordinate for resources. Do we get vehicles? Do we get computers? That type of stuff. But it has to be around, you know, so associated with the main component, which is providing the service to our residents. And, and that's the key for us. Um, you talk about density, it's one of the fourth uh, densest cities in, in the United States. Uh, 52 of our, uh, our residents, 52% of our residents are considered to be in rental properties. So for that, that's a big component of our program. We have a proactive rental enforcement aspects. I have at least a third of my team, not just responding to complaints, but being proactive and responding to uh, rental properties to ensure they maintain the minimum standards and, and we even have a gold seal program where folks pay into the program but if they maintain a program way above the minimum standards they get to be exempted so that's an attraction but it also shows that we place value in that type of, 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 of housing and priorities in our system uh, and that's the key I think 80% of our, our housing stock was built by prior to 1979 when you have that understanding, that's how you program. You understand where your team is supposed to be, right? And and so as court enforcement has evolved in the last, forget the last 20 years, let's say the last 10 years, you see that change, right? You see that change where cannabis is no longer just, you know, in the good old days, 10, 15 years ago, what we're doing with cannabis, for example, ELU grows with the police department, you would have the federal government be involved. That's no longer the, the case in, in California. Not that they're not involved as a police aspect, but it becomes more, when it becomes more of a regulatory component, a land use, then it becomes a code enforcement action. You still have those thresholds, though, right? The minimum mandatory prima facie, how to approach, because you have to prepare that this this is a business with a lot of money, so they have, which means attorneys get involved. So one of the best ways where we become more efficient is making sure we do the job correctly from the beginning so that there is a the legal challenge, you're successful. Or even better, right? There's no legal challenge. People like to say, you know, I testified in court, I did this, I did that. Many ways, when you go to court, it's because something wasn't as strong and overwhelming that the person bringing the legal challenge who's compelled is, I can win, right? Now, sometimes, and let's be honest, you still have that crazy factor, right? That Elvis factor, we're just gonna fight it no matter what. And that's okay, and it happens. But for us, we have to understand that. And we have the tenure, we have the experience, so we appreciate that, and we can really put in that type of a, a parameter so that we understand what we're doing from the beginning. That's the key. So Alvaro, I, I see that you were one of the first cities that actually uh, required some of your um, your folks to be certified, both either through the state of California, through the association, or through the um, through ICC with the uh, International Property Maintenance Code, a building inspector or uh, IPMC or housing inspector certifications. And one of the things that you know, taking it a little bit back backwards, um, you know. You, when when I looked at your city and what found what I found to be very very innovative was that you do have a ranking system. You you have code technicians, uh, you had code um, you know you have code officers, you have senior codes, which there's a level of expertise and expectation that you have from your officers. So right. can, can you kind of explain a little bit what a code enforcement uh, technician is and what one would have to do to kind of kind of segue into that versus a code officer and a code um, supervisor. And then you have a manager and a principal. I mean, there's so many uh, tiers. And and one thing, you know, and, and I'll tell you guys a quick funny story. When 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 I first started having managerial conversations with Alvaro, Alvaro um, has one of the, uh, you know, he gets to pick from the best out in, in our code um, industry. You know, he picks people from, you know, this city and that city, they apply because everybody wants to be well-rounded and goes to Santa Ana. This is, you know, when I first started, there was five cities 
that everybody wanted to go to. That was the city of Long Beach, California, Santa Ana, California, Santa Monica, California, Pasadena, and Ontario. And as of those today, you know, Santa Ana still stood the test of time through different, you know, the leadership has been consistent, but the, the, the evolution of code has just exploded in Santa Ana. And the one thing that Alvaro told me, he goes, you know, at, at that time I was in the city of Montebello, we were probably a very, if you talk about a slim budget, that was a slim budget. And, you know, I talked to him, how do you get these people? He goes, hey, I have a budget where I, I can afford the Yankees. You know, Pete, right now you're still dealing with the Brewers. <laughs> it, it totally clicked. It, it made so much sense that, you know, jurisdictions, if you want really good, um, really good people, you, cities do have to, you know, pay for that level of expertise. It's just a must. I had the benefit of being able to find the little diamonds in the rough and polish them and, and grow them that way organically in my cities. But, you know, and we work in different components. So can, back, back to that, Alvaro, can you tell us um, how, you know, how one gets to be a code technician versus a code officer and, and, and upwards, uh, you know, what, what is your expectation as a manager? So, so to work for the city, and yes, you're right. We're one of the first ones, um, to institute the minimum requirement. Many cities like to um, hire and they'll put it in their uh, flyers and the prerequisites, right? You must complete the powers of arrest within six months. You must have a code enforcement uh, um, proficiency or certificate or cert certified within a year. For us, we changed that again. When we had the 38 folks, you, you allow that flexibility. When we Went down to, and again, after the recession, 2009, 2010, literally to seven, eight, nine. And I say now my, my army, of, even now my army of 15, and I don't say it incorrectly, my army of 15, right? We know that's what we have. And we know we're 50% where we, where we were, less than 15, we were in 20, 2010 and, and 2009, and but we get it and we do a lot more. So from us, we elevated our perception of our, of our program so that people that wanted to come to Santa Ana, they knew they were going to come and work. That's one. They also knew they were going to have a wide range of experience. Right? We give them the opportunity, our staff, quite a bit of authority. But with that comes a little bit of accountability and responsibility. So from the onset, even for the court, the entry level, which is a court enforcement technician, then I would change the title to court enforcement associate, right? There's an expectation before you apply to Santa Ana, you must have your powers of arrest. You must have a certification with the court enforcement, either with Casio or with the local community college offering the San Carlos Canyon proficiency aspects or ACE. You must have that before you even apply to us. And that's the entry level, right? Our entry level, Court enforcement associates deal primarily with the quality of life type of violations, the, the what we like to say the outside uglies, right? That broken window type of approach. The landscape, the end of uh, vehicles, uh, maybe a, a illegal business, that type of component. Then when you get to the more court enforcement officers, that's the wide range. They do the interior inspections. They address the health and safety sections here in the state of California. And then the structure codes, plumbing, mechanical, electrical, and building as far as the substandard conditions, work done without permits, right? I mentioned how we, our folks deal with our rental properties and commercial and industrial, that's what we address, right? We require folks to have you know, a certificate of occupancy. We make sure they, they comply with the building safety requirements. That's the key for the code enforcement officer. They do it all. And then we have the court enforcement supervisor, which is again, if I'm the player coach as a manager and I'm expected to testify and I take hands-on approach, my supervisors are the same thing. They have a team. And part of that team is they have an area of responsibility. And a lot of times it's based both on the need with the community. Like in this case, we have a rental team. We have a team assigned just for commercial properties. And then we have a team specifically to those kind of nuisance type of program, uh, abatement aspect, gang houses, uh, illegal gross cannabis, uh, uh, gaming, you know, uh, illegal gaming, or uh, massage, prostitution, that's with associated with more police functions, maybe even organized crime, but that's how we work. And so you have a level of, of, of confidentiality, but also of understanding that you have a team 
that interacts directly with the city attorney's office, that we routinely go and get inspection warrants. We're not afraid to do that. It becomes almost part of the process. And you make it less, when you make it less, less, even though significant and important, but you make it more of a traditional type of approach. That's the key. And then, yes, you're right, we have a principal. The principal is the one that's under the manager. And there's that's more of an admin aspect that helps coordinate our, our, our supervisory component, right? Uh, deals with the community more, deals with those organized structures. Some of, some of our, whether it be the Chamber of Commerce, for example, or the South Santa Ana Merchants Association, things like that. We have that kind of coordination. And because our reputation in our city has been that we get stuff done, and I, I get back to that best with less, now we oversee animal control as part of our responsibility. That wasn't the case. That was under the police department. So we're going barely going into our second year of overseeing that program. And so for us, it's just making it work in such a component. So when you ask me, what does the city of Santa Ana do? Well, we deal with residential, outside ugly stuff, right? Lands, Sony, we deal with commercial. We have a team for that. We deal with animal control. And then we deal with the egregious components that we partner with the city attorney's office and, and, and the uh, police department. And, and for us, when we plan for that, and because and, and, nobody's that lucky, right? Let's say that out loud. Sometimes we're fortunate, but luck runs out. But if you don't, you not have the appropriate training and you don't know, then that's the key. When we adopted the IPMC and we say under the code enforcement of officer or official fields that you can disconnect utilities, that's a powerful tool. And we can say it up and down the state, it's rare that a program outside of the building official, right, in court enforcement has the authority to disconnect utility. Now, we don't, we do it selectively, yes, based on what? Case by case, egregious component, dangerous components, and we interact a lot with city attorneys, because why? When you disconnect utilities, when you board up a property, you know, you have to be ensured that you still are uh, complying with state law and even, you know, federal law constitutional rights, right? You, you literally are taking a property or the ability for a person to use their property. So for us, we know what that means. We just have to be prepared. And back to your story, that's what we say. If, if you want to come to the city and you want to experience all this, right, we want that attitude. We want that go-to attitude, best with less, but you got to be training. You, you're not going to come here. We're going to pay you to take one month, one week off and go get the training. That's not that I don't pay for training. Don't misunderstand that. We send people to train all the time. But the minimum mandatory, we expect you to have the powers of arrest. We expect you to understand the do's and don'ts. We expect you not to, you know, to understand that if you make a mistake, it's, it's because it wasn't because we didn't expect it or because people do make mistakes, but you had the training. Same thing with court enforcement. What is code enforcement? What, how is that different from building safety? What does that mean when they do the zoning? What does that mean when they use the IPMC? Right? We expect that. And then, like in any other jurisdiction, then we customize to the Santa Ana way. But that's the key. We have people come from different cities, even counties, and they would say, oh, you know, how many notice and orders have you issued? Inspection warrants. Well, I've done one. I've done two. These people with seven, eight, ten years experience. Here, and then the last five, they can say, I've done 10, I've done 15, right? Why? Because we know, and that's the expectation. But like you said, because we're so selective in that way, because we were so minute, I had that opportunity. I go and I, and I and when I go to the conferences and I see good people and I hear good people at certain comments, they say, if Pete was still a court enforcement office and I hear good things about Pete, hey Pete, what are you doing over there? And you know, in, in, in La La Land, come to Santa Ana. <laughs> Right, and so we encourage to 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 have good pay, and, and and at one point we used to pay for for um for the search. That's no longer the case, and that's you know that's a discussion for a different component, you know, with uh, labor relations and all that. But we have that, and when when you offer a program where folks can expand their opportunity and their knowledge, then you're always going to attract good people, and just making sure that they understand what what that means. And that goes back to my initial premise, you know, the best with less. We know we're never gonna be as big as we used to be, 35, 40 people. With technology, you don't, maybe you don't even have to. Right? Are you expand your duties? That may be the case, but like I said, we, we, we do receiverships and special warrants and abatement actions, 
and then the next day we'll be doing an animal control call, and the next day we'll be doing an outside early complaint. We expect that well-rounded component. That's the key. Now, Alvaro, one of, one of the things that, you know, I, I see that Santa Ana stays on top of a lot of uh, current event issues. You know, um, I'll, I'll give you three right off the top of my head. Uh, uh, number one was you guys now have the biggest cannabis superstore in America. You have the Mall of America for cannabis in Santa Ana. Number, one. <laughs> number two, um, after the ghost ship fires, you guys took a very proactive approach um, as far as, uh, you know, these uh, uninhabitable uh, vacant structures um, that had squatters and they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I saw you guys all over the news taking a very proactive approach and a lot of cities shy away from things like that. And uh, most recently, uh, some of the uh, uh, the railways, you guys cleared, you have got, got a great homeless, uh, homeless uh, abatement process, you know, and you guys just open up a homeless shelter, um, you know, a huge homeless shelter in Orange County, which allows uh, the city of Santa Ana to enforce some of these um, anti-camping regulations. Uh, you know, of course, we all know that it's not illegal to be homeless, uh, but it does cause a quality of life issue for some folks. And, you know, a city center has to take a proactive approach. And, you know, and, and it's, it's uh, from your staff, is your staff ever afraid to tackle on some of these issues? Or, you know, what's your philosophy on supporting your staff on taking these kind of high, um, high visibility uh, type of uh, concerns? That's a good question. Um, I, I think we're, we were, we're very fortunate in the way we, we approach our, 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 our perspective, our code enforcement type of perspective here in the city. One of the reasons why we were tasked, for example, you know, in, you know, cause the city did invest quite a bit of a, established its own team, the quality of life team, where we partner with the police department, public works, um, Parks and Recreation, uh, even the county to offer uh, mental health services, and then of course code enforcement. So we, we the city built a team where you allow for each uh, agency and their strengths provide the services that they do best, right? So code enforcement is, is one of the perspectives, may say, well, you know, one of the five spokes in the wheel perhaps, but then for us, what is it that we do to fix, help fix that issue or that problem? And so when you ask the question, you know, do we support staff? The answer is yes. We're fortunate to be considered one of those uh, divisions that get it done. And if you and if you acknowledge that that type of experience, nine out of ten times will generate what? More, right? When in doubt, give it to code. I like that. <laughs> that means, in a, in a way, in a very random wild way, it says, hey, we recognize this, this division, this agency knows what they're doing. Let's give it to them, see if they can offer uh, solutions. When, when, when we talk about the, uh, the ghost ship, nobody wants to open up the newspaper and find out their, that uh, lack of enforcement or an area where they had enforcement, uh, there was something happened. You know, not, not just, you know, millions of dollars in damage to the structure, but, you know, e even somebody was hurt, seriously hurt, right? You don't want that. So for us, we were mindful of that. We, we, we're mindful of making sure that we, 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 we not, not only did we do it from three, four years ago, and we did the first inspection where you find out the complaints, right? At the same time, we also went ahead and, and, and added, okay, we want our vacant properties whether it be lots or structures to be registered so we can monitor, right? And then if, if that's what we have to do, then that's how we do it. We, it's not easy, it's, you know, in, in hindsight, like the ghost ship, it's not easy to take enforcement and a structure where you have folks living there and say, well, you need to leave, and then they become then homeless. So what's going to happen? So you have to be mindful of that. You have to coordinate with your housing component, maybe with the, you know, the county, but at the same time, you can't compromise safety, right? Nobody's that lucky. In the end, luck will run out. That means you do have to be, for lack of a better word, good at doing your job. So for us, we are proactive. We want to make sure that if, if folks want to take us to court and, you know, and, and because we were too aggressive, we're going to have a judge say, you know what? 
it's not that dangerous, which if we do our job correctly, and we say that exiting is compromised, that the structure is compromised, that stairs are compromised, and we do it correctly, and we offer the owner enough time hey, to correct the violations, we, we promote that there's a danger condition there. If you have to go to court to do that, then so be it. For me, I'm comfortable saying we did the right thing, right? I want to go home and I want to have a peaceful night of sleep too. And if you care, and if you care about your job and you care what you do, because we have a very significant type of, you know, interesting type of career, right? We impact people's lives. Nobody does that better than local government, right? We touch, right? Somebody, a policymaker makes an ordinance, a regulation, a law, we implement, we touch people, right? So safety matters, right? That type of rush matters. When we do the homeless on the, you know, where we, we, we at the, whether it be at the um, railroads, which is considered private property, or a property owned by Wells Fargo or Bank of America, or a property just owned from, you know, John Q. Citizen, the expectation is the same, right? We can provide the services, mental health, to the individual needing assistance, but what are the physical uh, components that the property owner can take, right? Install a fence, better lighting, uh, trash enclosure, remove the trash, make it less accessible. There's things that we as government and we as the people can do to make things better. And at the same time, offer services to, to those folks that require sense. Mental health services from a third party provider or your local county health um, jurisdiction. That's the key, right? So we recognize that you can't be just focused on your perspective when you have to understand the parameter that of the whole entails. And again, I like the fact that people say, uh, and we say it jokingly because sometimes people say, oh my God, more work. The reality is, I'll give it to code. I said, give it to me. Let me see what we can do. Yeah. So if anybody in the audience has any questions on, you know, on, on leadership or anything like that, please feel free to put it in the chat. Uh, we'd love to answer. It's not often that we get somebody of uh, Mr. Nunez's caliber on, on our shows. And, and we love uh, the fact that he's our first, uh, our first guest. And he's offering this wealth of knowledge to our to our folks. Uh, we have Mr. Jose uh, Luis Moritaya saying Alvaro. See, one word. He didn't even say Nunez. <laughs> he knows what's up. Yeah. So um, this is uh, one of the uh, one of the key things that we want to do in this program is we want to showcase not only our folks in in code enforcement that are industry leaders. We want to make sure that people know that there's there's more than code enforcement than just you know the bulky item out on the street uh, anytime uh, any legislative body makes some sort of local ordinance a lot of times it needs to be enforced and who enforces it code enforcement that's who enforces it and we we go uh, and i'll give you some examples uh mass regulations a lot of times who was it? Who was the enforcing power? Code enforcement. Right. Whether you know massage parlors, code enforcement, right. business license, code enforcement. Uh, I mean, I can just go on and on. Illicit discharges, uh, illegal right. dumping. Right. I mean, we go on and on. Let me see. And then we. So we actually have a question. Let me see. And it, Oscar Rodisco says very informative. And we have. How do you? Uh, how do you suggest that leaders can do to keep the political climate away from your staff? And and I, I, let me let me go. Let me take a shot at it real quick. Uh, one of the things is uh, for for me personally. One one of the things for me personally is that you have to make sure that you're dealing personally with with the, with that component yourself your your staff should only be dealing with their job they shouldn't be concerned that oh that guy knows the mayor that that person does this for me i mean it should be in the back of their minds and the supervisor should be aware of that but at the end of the day it's the supervisor's role the manager's role to be able to facilitate that communication because it, it makes your staff very ineffective if you're constantly dealing with with, uh, with with that particular component of having to deal with political staffing. And as a manager, we know 
you know, there's always options for compliance, you know, and we have to give legislators or, or that political climate those options. And we have to be really honest, because at the end of the day, we cannot, as a government entity, show favoritism. We have to show a level of fairness and, you know, compliance with our, our code. So with that, what's your, what's your perspective, Mr. Nunez? I agree. So your staff has to be professional. They have to maintain their credibility. And they also have to maintain their focus in doing their job so they can be accountable for that. In, in government, we as the managers and even your, your frontline staff has to recognize that there is a level of politics, right? Acknowledging politics doesn't necessarily have mean being involved in politics, right? Recognizing that the political climate is not a bad thing. It's just understanding that it's, it has its place and, and somebody that has to deal with it, but it won't be the front line. Their focus is their job, right? Credibility is key. And in the end, that helps everybody up the chain of command, including the policymakers. So, so for us, it's, it's an educational component, right? Just like we educate uh, people when we interact with them, right? We never say, hey, I'm going to say, get this out. It says, sir, ma'am, the code reads this way, right? This is why we're supposed to be doing this. If we're fair, if we do it correctly, and we give the appropriate time of compliance, you know, the reasonable time to comply, and then we have to issue a motivational component, meaning a fine, or take additional action, then we have to do that. The political comment sometimes ensues only because you lose credibility or there's a certain lack of communication. When you're consistent and your program develops that level of credibility and professionalism, the political comment never goes away, but the understanding of involvement does because you build that, right? They give you that benefit of the doubt. This division is professional. They know what they're doing, right? I think they treated me wrong. I think they did it the right way. I wasn't provided the, 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 the appropriate time. Can you look into it? I look into it. I respond as the manager. I provide the input to my director. If I have to answer to the policymaker because my director says, Auto, please deal with council member so-and-so. Please, on behalf of the city manager, please contact so-and-so. On behalf of the council member, please contact Mr. and Mrs. John Q. Citizen, right? If you build your level of credibility, that becomes a second nature. And for you, it's easy. It's the level of communication that beats nothing. Why? Because you have a reputation of being professional, credible. Which, and what is, why is that? Because back to what I said, we're the best with less, right? We want you to be good. We want you to be the best. We want you to come to Santa Ana because in Santa Ana, you're going to play at everything but correctly. We don't allow mistakes. People say I'm hard sometimes. You heard me sometimes people, that people say, my God, I'm just hard. I'm not hard. But if I'm testifying as a manager and I have a court enforcement associate level, a court enforcement officer level, a court enforcement supervisor, a principal, and a manager, and I'm the manager and I'm testifying in September, what does that tell you? My hand's in the mud too. And when we're all down the line, have that, then that means my people understand that they're not going to be out there by themselves, whether it be in a political comment or legal aspects, right? They know they have cover. And when you build that, then there's an understanding that's just second nature. Again, acknowledging politics is not bad. It's just recognizing it's only a minor com component of your professionalism and of your level of commitment to your job. That makes sense? Yeah. One of the things, Alvaro, that, you know, when I when I first started in this profession, I, I really didn't understand that, you know, because, you know, one of the and it's funny because now it, it totally makes sense when you um, when you get those interview questions. What if the uh, what if the uh, mayor said, I know so and so and or, or whatever? That's one of those interview questions you get, you know, and it, it's more of an integrity and kind of see what you're going to do kind of right. question, right. you know, and, and it makes sense now as a, as a manager. But when I first started, I'm like, well, if the mayor said, you know, I'm like, I, I, I got to. You know, for lack of words, got to pucker up and do what I need to do. And, and that's not the case growing, you know, and being in one of the most political cities in, I think, in Southern California at a, a certain point, I learned that level of uh, of um, 
of being able to understand um, how politics works. You're never going to make anybody happy. But at the same time, once you, like you said, communication is key. Once you explain to decision makers what the code says, how you need to apply it and give them options, I think they're more willing to accept, you know, bad news in a way, you know, and it's always in the delivery. You know, uh, I personally, and, and I'll tell you, I'm not here to brag, but I personally written up council members and, you know, but I gave them options for compliance. Uh, and, and that's something, and, you know, and every when I say that story, people are like, oh, you didn't get fired? I'm like, no, you know, because I gave options for compliance. And with anything, in any case, we if we give options to compliance, there's always a, a easy easy path to compliance. There's, there's always an easy path. It's whether somebody chooses to exercise it or not. When... When I was a code enforcement officer, one of my best acknowledgments of my work, we had a business group in a segment of our cities. And these were business individuals that had run their own businesses, you know, captains of their in- industry, and we were involved in, in the local um, politics, whether it be, at, you know, policymakers county, Congress, it wasn't uncommon for them to hold fundraisers, right, for congressmen or for the state assembly or state senators, right? And at one point, I think I had like four out of the five board of directors with open notice of violations, right? (laughs) But that year when they had their dinner, when they acknowledged their their, their merchants and their local civic, uh, business civic uh, leadership, I got invited and I was, oh my God, I'm gonna get burned. They're gonna roast me at this meeting, right? <laughs> I'm with you know, some of the policymakers and some of the higher executive directors. They give me an award. You know, it's one of the words that I keep, I still keep, you know how you get awards throughout your career and some you keep, some you, you know, kind of say, let's put those in the garage. That one I keep because like I said, I had like three or four of the board of directors with open notice of violations but the things they said, thank you, Alvaro, for explaining us the process. Thank you, Alvaro, for making it seem like nobody's above the law. Thank you, Alvaro, for giving us time to comply. Thank you, Alvaro, for doing your job, right? That's what that meant. And, and, and for me, when people ask me, what's the hardest, easiest things to do? That's one of the stories I bring up, right? Because it is a politics. Local government, any office in government, there's an expectation of politics because it's, it's people get elected. They run political campaigns. There has to be an acknowledgement. When we think of politics, where we have this sense of fear, right? It shouldn't be a fear factor. It's an acknowledgement that that's part of the government, right? Political, uh, um, in a political arena, that's that's part of it. It's recognizing that it doesn't have to be so disruptive to your profession or your organization if you acknowledge that you have your own accountability, right? Because you have parameters already established. It's how you acknowledge it. I have no cause. I, would, I got this call. They said it's coming from the mayor. It's coming from the council members. coming from the, this person, a congressman. I would, they said this. They said that. Don't worry about it. Give me out the phone number. I'll call them. By the time the phone call gets to the people that's supposed to get frustrated, I already talked to Mr. Pete Roque, the assemblyman. I already talked to Mr. Pete Roque, the state senator. I already talked to Mr. Real, the mayor's brother. Right. Well, so we have an understanding. Yes, I'll take care of it. Not a problem. Right. And it comes back because it's not just you saying it. Those folks, they made the call because they felt that the code enforcement officer or the interaction was was negative. They'll, they'll say, yes, Mr. Nunez called me. Sometimes they say, I didn't like what he said, but I understand now. And he gave me one more week, two more weeks. Right, because like I said, we offer options, and our folks need to know that they need to understand. Look, not every interaction has to be negative, so we, we have to promote that. And sometimes people have a bad day. We're not gonna say no. It's not easy to say, "Hey, take that out." Right? What What's the famous uh, stories we we say in court enforcement? When you knock, nine out of ten time, some you're gonna cost people money. Right? It may not be a fine. It may not be a fine. But I have to plant grass, money. I have to water more, money. I have to take the car, money. I have to go out of the tow truck, money. Right? I have to paint, money. So we have to understand 
what that means when we interact with folks. People with respect, but, but there's a reason why we do what we do, right? We, we want to make sure that our, our neighborhoods look nice, that our business corridors look nice. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, and, and you know what? At the end of the day, you know, um, if you're doing the job right, a lot of the residents will thank you for for helping them out. And and to, to that goes to, you know, any code officer that does the job and does it well, you know, not being frustrated, but, you know, the process of helping somebody help themselves, it's just a beautiful process. And, you know, as code enforcement officers, we need to, I mean, like, you know, that level of becoming second nature that you said, it's it's a level of uh, emotional intelligence that we, we acquire doing this job, dealing with different sorts of people from, you know, your 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 lower income to your more affluent people and right. you know there's a way to to be able to communicate on those different levels and you know um and and, and it's beautiful but alvaro i i thank you for coming on the show today um on behalf of the um, code enforcement chapter of orange county uh, we really appreciate it on behalf of the american association of code enforcement and I really appreciate it. Um, this channel was made for folks that really want to get an insight on industry leaders um, and processes. We're going to have different folks. We're going to be streaming every Tuesday, 9 a.m. And I really am honored uh, for you to be our first guest. Uh, you, I couldn't have chosen uh, somebody better and somebody awesome like like you. Um, I did admire you coming into uh, into the code enforcement field, you know, and and. And I learned a lot from you, and I stole some stuff from you too. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the key. And, and, and right, a plagiarism is, is bad in college, you know. And 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 government's called best practices, right? And so, <laughs> right? so so we know. No, I appreciate this. I think this is a good forum, Pete, uh, to have this type of interactions. Uh, one last thing, if 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 I may. Uh, I think being involved is key also, right? Enhancing your profession is key. Uh, I have uh, the uh, ICC certification with uh, IPMC and in zoning. And in that sense, I also became, you know, with ACE, the Code Enforcement Officer Certification, the Code Enforcement Administrator on purpose, right? Not to mention that we, you know, like you and I, we both serve the California Code Enforcement Association Board of Directors, at least two terms. And we still maintain that certification. Now, why do we do that? Because so that people understand that as we elevate the profession with our actions, it's also with our training and technology, right? Uh, I say we're one of the few, if not the only, uh, code enforcement uh, division in Orange County that actually disconnects and red text under the code enforcement official. That's just because of the zoning codes. I mean, the municipal code allows you, but because of the training we have with IPMC, right? And so that's the key. When we interact, like in this forum with ICC, it's because we're trying to expand our perspective into a field that's traditionally just an engineering or building safety component, right? That's the key. And so credibility counts, right? Participation counts, communication counts. And I keep saying the best with less because that's our mantra here in the, in the uh, city of Santa Ana, but that's the operational component. You still want to strive to be a good asset to your community, right? I don't say it with mild comments when I say, hey, when a doc give it to code, yes, I like tackling new stuff. I want to be say we fix that. We help with that, right? We take the swing. And, and you know, having having different folks and learning different perspectives. I mean, every city is different, you know. Uh, being here at uh, my current position at Four Leaf, uh, you know, I, I have the ability to be able to, to touch different areas and learn a lot from different folks and be able to implement some of the things that that we have going on, you know. And, and you know, one thing that we didn't touch a, a component on, which, you know, I have to do a shameless plug for the July 29th um, uh, training for officer safety, where we one of the with the Standards and Codes Academy, where we're really focused on preventative measures versus like when we're there, um, you know, what are we going to do, whether we're going to bring out a baton or something like that. We, what we want to do is, you know, we want to prepare folks and have that awareness as far as, you know, um, dealing with uh, folks with mental disabilities, 
um, dealing with uh, animal animal issues. You guys now handle animal control, you know, and it's important to know that, you know, there, there's dangers of animals out there. Um, and then the, the third one is the human trafficking aspect where, um, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, what you said earlier with some of these cartels or uh, organized crimes, you know, I've personally um, address some um, illegal dog gam- gambling operations you know you deal with with those things you know that you know with human trafficking you, you might see it at a restaurant you might see it you know doing a business license inspection and you see uh, a bunch of people locked up in a in a room uh, you know it's not as egregious as training day but you see something not training day with uh, end of watch you know there's a scene where where they stumble upon a human trafficking that stuff exists it's real and and you know, I, I've gone to a massage parlor to do an, an inspection, and I had a, a, a boatload of women just run out the back door, hop fences. And I was like, wow, that is odd. I mean, I wasn't expecting that, but it's something. And, you know, learning to how to how to be aware and how to talk to your local law enforcement about this. And then another thing that we didn't talk about is the relationships that we need to have with our law enforcement right. uh, officials and, and the relationships with public works and the finance department, because right. code enforcement, we touch every single component of every government. I can't think of one that we don't touch. Even IT, we touch. Right. You know, like, hey, IT, I need you to develop something so we can track this or we can do this. You know, so end of the day, um, we really appreciate you being on here. Um, you know, Cecilia was kind of, uh, she's our co-host and she's not here today. Uh, she had another appointment. And, and as you know, it's code enforcement. We always have right. to be on the go, right, right, so, right. You know, and and you know, I always that's my biggest fear is like having somebody cancel, and right, that's right, okay. Right. It happens. Life happens, yeah. and what do we do? We pivot. Where right? we learn how to we learn code enforcement. We we come up with solutions. Yes. And if right. I had to talk by myself, that's what I had to do. Yes. You know. So. That's true. Yeah. Let me see. Hey, look, A plus. So you got a guy who said A plus. You got A plus, sir. Not a B minus. You got an A plus. But thank you, Alvaro, for joining me. And I really appreciate your time. I know it's valuable. And, you know, I wish uh, Santa Ana the best of luck. And you guys, uh, luck runs out, you said. But, you know, just keep being consistent and being great. Yes. Thank you, Alvaro. All right. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.